would equate uh, blessing with material blessing. So that didn't really, I don't think, ring true for them. Jesus said, blessed are to the mourn, for uh, they will be comforted. Now, being mournful sort of insinuates that you got something to be mournful over. Nobody wants that. What do we say? We say, there, there, don't cry. Um, of course, Jesus was talking about being mournful over your sin and being mournful over a deficient relationship with God because you're never going you, to get on God's right side unless you're first mournful over your sin uh, and, or mournful over a deficient relationship with God if that's the case. He said things like, blessed are the meek. Well, that would have really offended the Romans because uh, in their mind, the, 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 the standard to be upheld were, was blessed are the strong. Uh, blessed is he who has the ability to take what he wants by force. And going along with that is blessed are the merciful, uh, for they will be shown mercy. Well, nobody wanted to need to have mercy. I mean, they wanted to be the one with their foot on somebody else's throat. And the one that really hits home to our generation, to what we got going on in 2018, is when Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. And we look at that and say, well, we don't need to hunger and thirst after righteousness when we define it ourselves. We, we, we tell you, God, what's righteous. I mean, we go ahead and, and set up these things, every lurid and, and, and uh, abominable and lawless act and, and now we call that righteous. And society, the only thing that's, that's really sinful in society's eyes are the things, the things that God has come out with. I mean, that's what we got going on in 2018. And you know what? A lot of us, some of you, many of you, I hope not, are frogs in the cauldron here. I'm going to prove it in just a minute. You see, over the years, I mean, ever since Adam and Eve, uh, ever since society's got rolling, um, man had his ideals. And, 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 and he had, you know, the, the icons and, uh, and the idols and, and the role models that, that he wanted to set up on a plateau. And then God, he always had his. We're going to tell God which way uh, the ball rolls down the road. And, and, and that's never, ever worked out very well. Uh, and then there would be some sort of a, a significant event, like, like a flood, <laughs> uh, or, uh, you know, fire from the sky, uh, invading armies, some kind of significant event, and, and people would be brought back. And they'd be brought back for a while, and then, and then they'd start going off again. Well, you know what? Uh, I know the... Young people would think, no, no, you're old. But I'm going to tell you, I'm not that old. But I'm old enough to have seen a complete cycle. A complete cycle that way. Let me, let me tell you what I mean. When I was, when I was a little kid, um, the girls were far more virtuous than the boys. That's changed now. I mean, they, they've sort of caught up and passed the boys on the race to the bottom. But when I was a little kid, the girls used to play house. And who could blame them? They played house because 
the young women in their lives and, and little kids, uh, if you've noticed, they always like to mimic young people. They don't want to mimic old people. They like mimicking, you know, either older children or young adults. That's just the way it is. Well, uh, little girls, they used to mimic their role models, which were their moms and their aunties and, and, and their older sisters, and they would play house because that's what their role models did on a day-to-day -day basis, and that's what they saw. Well, you know, I hated that game. I absolutely hated it. It was boring. They also played, they also played church, and I hated that game a whole lot worse. Had to sit there and be good and be quiet. Me and my friends, we played guns. We, we'd go run around the neighborhoods and shooting each other with, with toy guns, and we just called it guns. That, that was the name of the game. I don't know if you did that. That's what we did in Kenora. We played World War II specifically. And we knew the battles, we knew uh, the armaments, we knew the countries that were involved, we knew the jargon, uh, you know, and, 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 and we really had this going on. And really, who could blame us? Now look at I'm not saying for a moment that we ought to glorify a war or warriors or the gun culture. I'm not, I'm not saying anything like that. That's just the way it was. You know why? Because we were only 20 years removed from the Second World War. And we grew up as little kids hearing stories of uh, fathers and, uh, and uncles, <clears throat> brothers, and so on, that uh, went over there and, and sacrificed big time. They went over there and, and they fought a war over there so that war wouldn't come to our soil. I don't know if, if maybe more than once a year we ever think about how fortunate we are that they went and did that for us. And so that we could have rights and freedoms. Look at this, we can assemble here. I mean, maybe we take that for granted. We live in a democracy where we can vote. Get it wrong sometimes, but we can vote. I mean, that's our privilege. Well, those men who were fortunate enough to come back you know what they did? They built our, uh, we're still riding, economically, we're still riding their coattails, believe it or not. Now it's petering out, but they came back, they built universities and hospitals and infrastructure. Uh, they, they, they bought and paid for stuff through the taxes and the, the sweat of their brown women too. Um, uh, and, and, these, and these were our idols. Uh, as little kids growing up. Now, I know that not everything was perfect then. I'm not trying to paint some kind of utopian picture. Not everything was perfect. Uh, I mean, there was, there was, there was, there was some, uh, you know, I mean, in a, in a perfect world, uh, there'd be no need for war or warriors, right? I mean, uh, you know, the word of God and the, and, and the love of God would reign supreme and we could just sit down and talk things through in and, and brotherly love and kindness. But that's the way it was when I was a kid growing up. Let's fast forward now 75 years. About a year, about a, yeah, about a year ago, uh, many of the major universities in the United States and some in Canada set up cry rooms replete with plush toys where uh, young men, and I really, that, that, that word really sticks in my throat even to use it in the same conversation is that previous generation 
that I talked about, they could go and they could hug these plush toys and they could cry and they could hug each other because their candidate didn't win the election. You know what? That's okay. That's freedom of expression. They have the right to do that. I certainly wouldn't do that. I'd say, you know what? Roll up your sleeves, vote them out the next time. And if it stayed there, that'd be okay. But oh no. Once they were done crying, they put on the Bella Calavas. And they took their sticks and stones. And they went and trashed the very universe that they didn't pay for. And then they took to the streets and burnt police cars. And trashed the infrastructure that was around them that they didn't pay for. And even then, I, I would say, you know what, okay, <laughs> as long as that's a one-time thing. I mean, the police were told to stand down. I mean, who could blame the little deers? They're upset, huh? But you see, misery loves company, don't it? And the devil's never satisfied. I don't know if you noticed that. And, and, and monkey see, monkey do. A couple weeks ago, it was the middle schoolers and the high schoolers did the exact same thing on National Walkout Day. Had a peaceful demonstration. And then they went and trashed infrastructure, looting, and so on. It's like the rule of law is, is now sort of lawlessness. And we set that aside and say, that's okay. And we had another generation that went and bled and died uh, on the beaches of Normandy. They came back and set up uh, Judeo-Christian laws for us to follow. And then we have another generation that literally urinates and defecates on their statues and on their sacrifices. Like I said, I've seen the cycle now. But you know, we had some pretty bad, and I know some of you will remember this, we had some pretty bad uh, role models too in the 70s, when, uh, 10 years later, when I was uh, growing up. We had the hippie culture with its, you know, with the devil's trifecta of, of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Now, you know, isn't it funny that that didn't seem to evolve out of the picture? It just, it just sort of got stronger as, as things went by. But you know what? We also had some pretty good uh, role models. We had Bobby Orr, Canadian, eh? Uh, Bruce Jenner. Oops. Listen. No, 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 no. I'll tell you something. Back in the day I was there, Bruce was a pretty good secular role model. He was the best decathlete of all time. He was clean-cut, he was principled, he was well-spoken. How did we go from, what, like what happened from Bruce to Caitlin? The last 40 years happened. And you know what? It, 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 it sort of happens slowly. The temperature just keeps getting added and added a tiny bit at a time. And I don't ever want to get over the shock of, 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 huh, I mean, all the, all the girls wanted to be with him. All the boys wanted to be him. He was special. I don't ever want to get over the shock of, of a couple of years ago of, of, of him uh, being voted man of the year for coming out. I mean, that's, that's virtuous now. Coming out. That's, that's virtue. It's good and it's right and it's honest. It's even godly to come out. They, they shortened that up. What talking about coming out of the closet, right? I mean, that's what that, that short form uh, for that. Well, if you know what, you read Leviticus 18, 
1 Corinthians chapter 6, they're not even supposed to be a closet. And if there is, nobody ought to be in there. And if they're in there, they ought not to come out. But oh no, we, oh you know what, the devil's never happy though, is he? Man of the year one year, woman of the year the next. What? Lord, please don't ever let me get over that insane, that's lunacy. I mean, when, when your cat has a litter of kittens, you'll, boy, girl, never the twain shall cross. Maybe that only works for cats and not humans. I, come on. Listen, if somebody would have told me uh, back in the 70s, uh, <clears throat> you know Bruce. Yeah, of course I know Bruce. His face is on every cereal box. Of course I know Bruce. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> 40 years from now, uh, in 2018, when Bruce is 68, he's going to grow his hair long. Oh, okay, whatever. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> There's more. There's more. He's going to put on nylon stockings, short skirt, slit up the side, matching pumps, breast implants. He's going to get, uh, we call it bottom surgery. <laughs> in 2018, we're going to call that bottom surgery. And <clears throat> he's going to parade around the red carpets of Hollywood. And uh, the whole world's going to just go crazy clapping over that. What do you think? <gasps> what? They used to call that psychosis. It was diagnosed as psychotic. What do I think? You know, like I said, some of you are probably frogs in the cauldron here. You know that sadistic experiment where, that says if you take a frog and you throw it in hot water, he'll jump out right away because it's uncomfortable uh, and shocking. And, but if you put him in cold water and you crank up the heat a tiny bit at a time, he'll boil alive. Well, I'll bet you that some of you were more offended at the way I described that whole thing, the, <laughs> the cowards in the universities uh, trashing uh, stuff from previous generations and, and Bruce and Caitlin and the whole thing. I'll bet you were more offended at that than you are over the fact that this is the new normal. This is what we got going on now. I mean, it's like, you know, 50's the new 30, black's the new white. Like, this is the new normal. And your, your grandchildren are going to buy in a thousandfold to what you have. So well, what can we do? I mean, that's, you know, a, a society's just spiraling out of control. Get out of the cauldron. That's what you can do. Just get out of the cauldron. Stand up for God. Stand up for his principles. How many times do you hear this? BS. Baloney sandwiches. How often do you hear this stuff and say, oh yeah, well, that's the way things are now. Well, I guess morality has changed. No, it's not. It hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. You're not going to come down and say, and bless this for us. That ain't going to happen. Okay, let's just skip ahead to the end of the Lord's Sermon now. <clears throat> Matthew, via the Holy Spirit, said... The crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one having authority and not as one of their teachers of the law. And, you know, I used to wonder what that meant. Here's what that means. 
the teachers of the law had a fraternity going on. And they used to pat each other on the back. And they would uh, patronize one another. And, uh, like, you see, the bad thing about fraternities is that they eventually become a... uh, an authority unto themselves. And then after that, they become an ultimate authority. Well, <clears throat> they, would, they would stand up and say things like this. Fellow brother rabbi uh, says this about that scripture. And then the next one would stand up, either in rebuttal or denial, and he would say, ah, oh, but other brother rabbi, he says this about that. And that's how they would go on over and over. That's how they would teach. Jesus comes along and he says, I say unto you, this is what God says. And you know what they said? Who are you? Who do you think you are? But they should have been used to it. Because John the Baptist, when he come along, what did he say? You brood of vipers. Who told you to flee the wrath to come? Well, their puppet, Herod, they cut his, he cut his head off. Jesus comes along, and, and, and he says stuff like, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he spent three years elaborating upon how their hypocrisy would exclude them from the kingdom. You ever notice that hypocrisy is always the other guy's sin? You ever notice that? Like, I do this wrong and that wrong and I commit this sin and I commit that sin but hypocrisy, that's somebody else's. Well, they got the Romans to hang him on a cross. Our, uh, our, our, our brother Stephen, he said stuff like, uh, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart. You do always resist the Holy Spirit. Well, they, they, they just stoned him themselves. That's what they did with him. None of them were part of the fraternity, by the way. They were troublemakers. They were renegades. But guess what? We got guys like that in the church today, don't we? Sort of like John the Baptist out there on the periphery of the A group, on the periphery of of, of the fraternity saying things like, Hey, hey, how come we're not doing this Bible thing the Bible way? How come we're introducing strange fire into the worship now? How come we are coddling the sins of of Korah and Achan and Zimri in the camp of the Lord? Huh? How come? Well, we don't, we don't, uh, we don't, thank goodness, we don't, we don't cut his head off. We don't stone him or, no, you know what we do? We tune him out. That's how we do it now. Because we're civilized. We, we just, we just tune him out. Come to church. We label him. He's a troublemaker. And you know what? Eventually, he either shuts up or goes away. And we're happy because he's gone. <laughs> he's not a thorn in our side no more. You know, Ellen and I came to the Lord in the mid-80s, 1986. And <clears throat> we, we just caught the tail end of a church on fire. You know, we did. Um, now, I know there was some you know, some, some sort of <laughs> ones where there was just sort of smoke and embers left. We caught the tail end of a church on fire. 
And I, and I mean, I came out of the world like you wouldn't believe. I came out of the world, and I thought, this is it. And this is always going to be the case. You know, but it wasn't. <laughs> Remember the cycle I was talking? No, it wasn't. Um, when uh, you read the book of Acts, what do you see? You see a, penny, a penniless church with fire in their belly. Now what do you see? Rich church, no fire. Well, one of the things I've done, and it started out by accident, and I, I'm sure glad it, it was. It was a really good accident, by the way. Uh, one of the things I've done over the last 30 years is I like to visit churches. And I crisscross North America as, 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 as budget and, and time allows. And, and I like to go, I'm not talking, I don't go to the, the left-wingers and denominations and stuff. I go to the church. There's only one church. And I like to go and I talk to people, talk to the leaders, and how you doing, and what are you doing, and how you doing it, and, 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 and things like this. And the neat thing about amassing data, and I didn't know I was doing that, but the neat thing about it is, once you amass uh, a lot of data, it starts to tell a picture, uh, paint a picture and tell a story. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Years and years ago, I was talking to an old sister once. I guess, <laughs> I shouldn't call her old, she wouldn't like that. <laughs> You're not here. <laughs> but I was talking to an elderly sister, and I just finished preaching uh, at this church, and she came up and she was talking to me, and she said, um, uh, we're selecting elders. And I said, oh really, how do you do that? And she must, she must have thought, like, you call yourself a preacher, you don't know? So anyhow, she, she told me. She said, well, what we do is uh, the word goes out that we need elders. And then people, and presumably from the A group, uh, people submit names, again, presumably from the A group. And as long as these names sort of pass, uh, you know, original inspection, they're, they're put forward to a vote. And if the man gets enough votes, he's in. And if he doesn't get enough votes, he's not in. And I thought, I didn't challenge her on this, but I thought, boy, that don't sound like Acts 14 or Titus chapter 1. <laughs> that sort of sounds like a, like a popularity contest. And that ain't good because from time to time, elders are going to be called upon to make some really uh, tough and unpopular decisions. You elders, you ought to know that. Now listen, don't think for a moment that I'm not on their side because I am. The highest institution on earth is the Lord's church. You know, the, the song, uh, the hymnist says, uh, crowns and thrones may perish, kingdoms rise and wane, but the church of Jesus, constant it shall remain. It's going to outlast all them other kingdoms. And elders are its governors. Now, they don't get to, to rewrite scripture, and they don't get to bind and loose on their own, and when they uphold the word of God... We need to stand behind them. But you see, every process bears fruit. Um, now, all these uh, situations I'm going to tell you about, uh, they're all divorced from one another. Not the same, same person, uh, thank goodness. But I was talking to one old uh, fellow one time at, uh, at a church. And he was an elder and a good man. I got the sense 
that he was a, a, a good man and that he uh, gave his life's work to the church. And I was asking him questions. You know, what are you doing and how are you doing it? And, uh, you know, what are your plans for the future? And, and, and he got more and more sheepish as the con conversation went on. And finally, he said to me, look, to tell you the truth, I don't really know what goes on around here anymore. The young people, they run things. I just go with the flow. But, oh, my. Oh. You know what goes with the flow? The O'Henrys, just before they disappear from sight. That's what goes with the flow. Elders are appointed to make sure the flow flows the way the Lord wants it to flow. I got a, I got a call uh, from a, a friend of mine a while ago now, quite a while ago, and he said that he was at uh, an elders meeting. And he told me that they were discussing a certain situation and uh, one of the elders said, why should we bother with church discipline? It don't do any good. Thought, oh, my. That's like saying, why pray? We never get what we want. What's next? Is God really up there? Listen, I'll tell you one thing. This applies, whatever applies to elders applies to Christians on a slightly different level, on rank and file, pew doofus like me. Uh, we ought never, ever, ever to allow chicken, lazy, or I don't care to motivate non-service. Ever. You know, I, uh, well, I'll give you one. I, uh, I know an elder who drinks. And guess what? So does his family, half his church. Now, where do you think that's going to end up? Huh? Where do you think that's going to end up? You know, if, if you drink, you need to quit. You need to repent, you need to quit. If you think it's okay, you ought to educate yourself and read the scriptures again. I'll tell you what. If it's okay to lay at home, uh, have a beer, watch TV, go out with the girls and have a cocktail, it's okay to drink right here. Well, let's serve it in the assembly hall. What's the difference? There ain't no difference, I can tell you that. You know, having a brewski for thy stomach's sake. You're not fooling nobody. I know another uh, uh, elder friend of mine who I haven't talked to him for over 10 years now, but, um, and he's a godly man, and his wife's a godly woman, and I mean, they're really, uh, like, dedicated, their life's work has been the church, but you know, one by one, as their children came of age and left the house, they dropped the church like a hot potato. Well, whether they're 18, 28, or 38, when the kid falls away, so does that portion of the qualification fall away. I was listening to an elder one time, and he was preaching, 
and, uh, and, and doing a good job, and I was envious because I could sense that this guy was, was on fire for the Lord. He, he really, you know, e- exemplified. Anyway, he's talking uh, about his kids, and he was saying that he was proud, and I thought, good for you, brother, good for you. I hope I can say that someday. Six months later, or whatever, I'm, I'm uh, talking to a, a friend of mine, and who and it's a weird coincidence because there's hundreds of miles uh, separating these situations. Talking to a friend of mine, and I made mention of it, and uh, he said, "What are you talking about? His kids all fell away years ago. They all married non-Christians." He said, "Now they never darken the door of the church building except to come back and criticize." Oh, oh, no! I know it's easy. Uh, to say this is what you ought to do and this is what you ought to do but elders used to go to brothers brothers and sisters like that on bloody knees bloody knees tears coming from their eyes brother sister consider where your soul's headed in this not hold them up on a platform uh, for the rest of us to envy well like I said every process uh, bears fruit I was talking to a youth minister one time same sort of thing. I knew that he'd just been uh, uh, with this church a, a very short time. And, uh, and I'm asking him questions like, how you doing? And good man, if I had a daughter, he's the kind of guy I wish that she would marry. Uh, likable man, lovable man, on fire for the Lord. But I guess these questions, they sort of got prickly on him after a while. And, and, and he said, look, this is the best job I've ever had. And I thought, oh, that sort of sounds like a hireling. What I said was, where where did your job description come from? And he said, oh, well, when I got here, the elders told me this and this. I said, no, 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 in the scriptures, where did your job description come from? Oh, well, you won't find it in there. You know, the youth minister's worst nightmare is this. Little Johnny comes home, month after the, uh, you know, fella arrives, says, I'm not going back to youth group no more. Parents, what? What do you mean? I don't like him. What do you mean? He's boring. You see, that's the new unpardonable sin with kids. Did you know that? That's it. End of subject. It's boring, gone, off the table. No, he's boring. What do you mean? Well, all that he does is talk about the Bible, read stories from the Bible, and, and I've heard all those dumb stories before, and I don't want to go back. Oh. That youth minister. What are we paying him for? He's supposed to be making Christians out of these kids. Look what he's doing. But you see, youth minister, he's a whole lot smarter than, than all the adults, because otherwise they wouldn't have needed him, right? So uh, he knows little Johnny's been to pagan school. Oh, public school, sorry, public school. Now, I can say that because I've sat on both sides of the desk now. And I can tell you that we're paying the devil big bucks to indoctrinate our children and teach them the Bible's a myth and you're a fool for believing it. A lot of times, uh, it sort of seems like uh, the, the job is more about placating little Johnny than it is teaching them the difference between sin and righteousness and what he ought to stay away from and never mind what your friends are doing. 
where they're going to be headed. Teach them about Jesus, little Johnny. You know what? One time I was talking to a, a pulpit minister. Now, there's another scriptural term. Um, it was a big church. Uh, they had lots of people on staff. And I uh, was asking them, you know, the same questions. What are you doing? Where are you, what are you, how are you doing it? And this and that. And uh, he, uh, he says, I asked him, well, how, how's it going? Oh, not very good. Wow, really? <clears throat> what do you mean by that? He said, well, I had no idea the quagmire I stepped into here of liberalism, of uh, false teaching, false doctrine. He said, did you know that 25% of our membership isn't even baptized? I said, what are you saying, man? Then, then they're not members. Galatians 3, 26 and 27. Then they're not members. You might think, well, now you've really crossed the line. What are you talking about? Well, read John chapter 3 sometime. <clears throat> All of it. When the Spirit is at work, it's apparent. Um, you know, the church isn't like a Greyhound bus uh, that just blows by hitchhikers on the, on the highway. We stop and pick them up. We love souls. We encourage them uh, to get on board. You know what the Lord said in this sermon on the mount? He said, Which of you fathers whose son asks for bread will give him a stone? Or, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him uh, a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more the, whole, the Heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? What's available to one is available to all. Now, I want to tell you just one more thing. <clears throat> when Ellen and I first, uh, first became Christians, we came to a, to a lectureship here in Carmen. And uh, we got here a little bit late. And so we had to sit at the front. And you all had that crazy uh, floor, uh, that slanted floor that run you to the front anyhow. So we sit down and we're, uh, you all paraded one old duffer after another up there and they're pounding the pulpit and pointing at the sky. One of them was, uh, was JC. And I'm I, like, I'm fresh out of the water. And I'm thinking, there's stuff I haven't even told the Lord about yet. And this old guy somehow seems to know. Well, the preaching got done. And we walk out of the building and across the road. And we go to, we go to, uh, to lunch or, or, or supper. And everybody's, you know, <clears throat> talking about the lesson. And, and people are talking about the speakers. And talking about the church. And, and talking about biblical things. And... And, and I know, I know, this was my perception. And they're shaking our hands. And who are you? And where are you from? We're from Kenora. Oh, we know brother and so, sister so-and-so from, from there. And it's so wonderful to have you with us. We go down into the basement. And we have uh, we, we, the, the preacher you had at the time. Good man. He's going around to all the different tables, making sure that, 
that, that nobody's got any unanswered questions. He comes to our table. Who are you? Where are you from? We're from Kenora. Oh, I'm sorry to hear about your minister. We had a, an itinerant minister, and he, uh, he was leaving. He says, listen, I'm going to come, and I'm going to do some teaching for you people. And he did. On his own nickel, he came out. Middle of the week, he would come out. He would teach us stuff. Uh, I still got some of his notes. We're driving back to Kenora. Me thinking, I want to be like those folks. <laughs> There's no fancy pants there. I want to be like those folks. Now, you know what? It don't, some of you are still here. Now, a lot, of you, a lot passed on, but some of you are still here. It don't get no better than that. It don't get no better than that. To have a young Christian, uh, or young anybody, or anybody, an old one, <laughs> say, I want to be like those folks. Wow. You know what? Some of the chatter I hear in the churches now, how about them jets? Huh? How about the bombers? How's your golf game? Huh? Where'd you go this winter? Now listen, I'm not saying that you can't watch a hockey game or a football game or play around a golf or travel or any of that. I'm not saying that at all. Here's what I'm saying. We need to keep stuff like that in perspective. Way down the list. Because it's all going to go up in a puff of smoke someday. And a hundred years from now, it ain't going to be worth nothing. Sitting in glory a hundred years from now, it will be worth nothing. you imagine? Uh, stand in front of the Lord... And him saying, I gave you 70, 80, 90 years. What do you got to show for it? I got this handful of smoke. Does that count? No. As a matter of fact, it don't. And by the way, that's my smoke. Listen, you can forget everything I said. Maybe you're really trying already. And you can take me with a grain of salt... Some of you need a whole truckload, I know. But there, <clears throat> there will come a time in absolutely every person's existence when absolutely nothing else will matter beyond your relationship to Jesus Christ. That's true. That's absolutely true. And here's a little self-test. The extent to which you share that information is directly proportionate to the extent which you believe it. I'm done. <laughs>